Welcome to God's Messenger Lighthouse Podcast. This is your host, Brother Scott Messenger, bringing you Chapter 2 from the book, Jacob DeShazer, Forgive Your Enemies, from the book series titled Christian Heroes, Then and Now, written by Janet and Jeff Benge. Chapter 2, Madras. Eight-year-old Jake DeShazer ran the last hundred yards to the Sunday school room at the back of the Free Methodist Church in Madras, Oregon. He was proud of the shiny buckles on his new bib overalls, and he was eager to show them off to the Sunday school teacher. Minutes later, Jake and his younger brother, Glenn, were seated side by side in the Sunday school room. Jake looked down at the knees of their new overalls. The knees of the pants were just a single shade of dark blue denim with no patches on them. Jacob, Glenn, he heard the Sunday school teacher say. Jake and Glenn looked up. Please remind your mother for next Sunday that boys do not wear bib overalls to church. We try to dress in our best clothes to honor the Lord, the teacher said matter-of-factly. Jake felt his face turn a deep shade of red, and his neck got hot around the collar of his flannel shirt. He fought back the urge to run away. He managed to sit through the Sunday school session, but he hurt hardly heard a word the teacher said, and he mumbled his way through the singing. All he could think of was the delight he had seen in his mother's eyes when she pulled the two new pairs of bib overalls from the Sears Roebuck package that arrived in the mail and presented a pair each to Jake and Glenn. Look, boys, she had said, brand new overalls. Take good care of them. They cost a lot of money. Jake and Glenn had grinned at each other. Jake, because his mother normally sewed his clothes with fabric from his stepfather's worn clothes, and Glenn because he always inherited Jake's hand-me-downs. Now with Sunday school finally over, Jake's thoughts were in turmoil. Why couldn't the first new clothes he'd ever had be good enough for church? For God? He didn't know. What he did know was that the teacher had made him feel humiliated and he did not ever want to go back to Sunday school and felt feel, and feel that way again. Of course, deep in his heart, Jake knew that was not going to be an option. His mother and stepfather, Hulda and Hiram Andrus, were pillars of the Free Methodist Church in Madras. They believed in living the Christian life seven days a week, every morning. After breakfast in their small clapboard farmhouse, Jake's stepfather would read an entire chapter of the King James Bible, and some of those chapters covered two entire pages of the Bible. All the children, Jake and Glenn, their older sisters, Julia and Ruth, and their half-sister, Helen, had to sit quietly and listen to what was being read. Then each person was expected to offer a lengthy prayer of thanks to God for the new day. This was hard to do, especially when Jake knew that the reading of a long chapter would put him and Glenn behind in milking the cow and delivering the milk around town, and then would make them late for school. At school, Jake was shy. He did not talk to adults unless he was asked a question. While he liked playing games with the other boys, he found he didn't have much to talk about with them. This was because the DeShazer Andrus 
family kept very busy running their small wheat, wheat farm. Their life left little room for fun and imagination. From the time he was nine, Jake was expected to handle a team of eight horses, which pulled the combine harvester. Even riding his horse, Minto, had a serious point to it. Jake always carried a rifle with him when he went riding, and he was expected to bring back jackrabbits for dinner. The only day that the DeShazer Andrus children had off to play was the 4th of July, when they were allowed to go swimming along the, a sandbar in the Deschutes River. If Jake had talked about his family life to his friends at school, he would have discovered that even for life in rural America in the early 1920s, his family had a more rigorous existence than most. Sometimes Jake's mother told him about his early life in Salem, Oregon. Jake was born in Salem on November 15, 1912, the first son of his mother, Hulda, and his father, Jacob DeShazer. Jake's father had been married before. His first wife had died young, leaving behind four children, a boy and three girls. When Jake's mother married his father, she took on the role of stepmother to his children, giving Jake an older stepbrother and three older stepsisters. Then his mother gave birth to two girls, Julia and Ruth, followed by Jake and Glenn. The family of eight lived simply in Salem. Jacob DeShazer was a lay preacher in the Church of God, which as far as Jake could figure out had meant that his father worked on his small farm during the week and then preached all weekend. Sadly, Jake's father became ill when Jake was a baby and died from a stomach illness when Jake was only two years old. It was a tragedy for Jake's mother and the eight children she cared for. The family had not only lost a husband and father, but also the only way of making ends meet. Knowing that she could not look after so many children, Jake's mother arranged for the four stepchildren to return to Jake's father's side of the family. While she concentrated on feeding and clothing the four children who were her own, this was not an easy time for her or the children. Sometimes food was scarce. The clothes Jake wore were all patched hand-me-downs, and the family never had any money for store-bought gifts or trips. Three years later, when Jake was five, his mother married Hiram Andrus, a stern 47-year-old bachelor she had met at a church meeting in Salem. After the wedding, the family moved to Hiram Andrus' wheat farm in the small town of Madras, 130 miles east of Salem, just in time for Jake to begin attending school. In the years that followed, Jake's mother and stepfather had another child, Helen, giving Jake a total of one stepbrother, three stepsisters, one half-sister, one full brother, and two full sisters. Jake always felt it was a shame that the family had so many girls, because there was so much farm work to be done, and he and Glenn had to split the workload between them. About, a, about once a year, the family would take the horse and cart and head to Salem, where they would visit with the other Ford the Shazer 
children and attend church camp meetings. At school, Jake liked to play football and baseball, and since he was short and slight, he made a good runner. Despite his love of sports, he could not sign up for the school teams. His stepfather reminded him that work came first, and there was always plenty of work to be d to do on the farm. Jake survived school, although he was not an outstanding student. His favorite subject was mathematics, and he harbored hopes of going on to college from high school. However, Jake graduated from high school in 1931, when the United States was in the firm grip of the Great Depression, and there was no money for the family to pay for higher education. Life, like many boy, other boys at the time, Jake had to scrap his idea of going to college and look for a job. Unsure of what else to do, Jake took jobs working on neighboring farms. The work was backbreaking, but Jake was glad to have it. His labor earned him a dollar a day and his board. During this time, Jake stopped attending church and participating in the other religious activities he had to be a part of when living with his family back on the farm. Sometimes his half-sister Helen would ask him if he believed that Jesus died on the cross. I guess so, Jake would reply, but so what? Lots of people died on crosses back then. He could not accept that Jesus was more than a historical figure. He admired his parents' strong faith, but deep down it meant little to him. Bit by bit, Jake's jobs took him farther and farther from home. In his Christian upbringing, one, one day he heard about a job opening on the California-Nevada border. Sheep herders from the Basque region of Spain spent their summers grazing sheep in the high mountain meadows of the Sierra Nevada range. In the winter, they drove the sheep down to the desert of Nevada. Since the Basque sheep herders were up in the mountains or out on the desert for months at a time, they needed someone to regularly bring them fresh supplies and cook for them. Jake took the job, and he loved every minute of it. He would begin by buying supplies of beans, flour, and dried fruit for the men, as well as feed for their horses. He would load the supplies onto a pack train of donkeys and guide them on horseback up into the mountains in the summer and the Nevada desert in the winter. Once he located the Bosque sheep herders spread out in separate camps like spokes of a wheel. He would unload the supplies and set up camp. He would then spend his days baking bread in a sage fire and take it along with other supplies to the men. Jake lived an isolated existence, but he loved the endless vista of mountains and desert, the fresh air, and the company of animals. He also liked the money. Since most of the time he was a hundred miles away from the nearest store, he was able to save most of his pay. After two years on the job, in May 1939, Jake had saved up the grand sum of $1,000 in the bank. He was ready to go into business for himself. During his time alone in the high country of California and Nevada, Jake had brought along and read several books on raising turkeys.
and he was convinced that he could make money on such a venture. He quit his job supplying the lost sheep herders, rented a small farm in Butte Falls, Oregon, and bought 500 turkey chicks. Keeping the young turkeys alive was a full-time commitment. The birds had to be constantly monitored to make sure they were not too hot or too cold and that they did not get wet. Jake continually adjusted their food intake until they were each gaining about one pound a week. Everything looked good, except for the economy. Instead of the price of turkey meat rising, as it usually did when Thanksgiving approached, the price fell dramatically. When Jake bought the turkey chicks, turkey meat had been fetching 22 cents per pound, but 24 weeks later, with Thanksgiving approaching, Jake sold the grown turkeys and received only 14 cents per pound for them. After settling up his account at the feedlot and paying his rent, Jake was broke. The thousand dollars he had saved, which represented two years of hard work, was gone. Jake was now a single 27-year-old man with no money and a high school education. He wanted to settle into some kind of career, but what? In 1940, Uncle Sam provided the answer. By now, war had broken out in Europe, with Great Britain and France facing off against Nazi Germany, which was threatening to overrun the continent, and there was talk of the United States entering the war to assist Britain and France in the fight against Germany. Jake made a practical decision. He knew that if the United States entered the war, single men like him would be the first to be drafted into the military. He decided to sign up ahead of time. That way he could choose the branch of the military he wanted to serve in. Jake chose the Army. He wanted to become a pilot in the Army Air Corps program. He had no problems qualifying for enlistment. He was fit, healthy, and eager to put his brain to work. However, he was disappointed when he was told that he was too old to be a pilot. The Army was training only men under the age of 25 for that position. Instead, Jake was assigned to the 17th Bombardment Group and sent to newly opened McCord Field south of Tacoma, Washington to train as an aircraft mechanic and bombarder. Jake spent his first year in the Army stationed at McCord Field. To his surprise, he liked Army life. Not only was he learning important and useful skills, but also he was now receiving a regular paycheck. And there was another thing he liked about Army life. For once in his life, Jake had regular time off. Since he had spent most of his life working hard, it felt odd to him at first to be given regular time off with no requirements to do anything else but relax. Before long, Jake was reading westerns at his leisure and going to movies. As his training time at McCord Field rolled on, Jake wondered when the United States would become involved in the war. Everyone told him that it was inevitable, but it had not yet happened. Jake knew that when the United States did enter the war, he would be ordered overseas to serve, but where? Next time, Chapter 3, Secret Mission. You can find this book and order it 
at www.ywampublishing.com and their phone number is 800-922-2143 and that is YWAM Publishing and again this is uh, the book from the Christian Heroes Then and Now series titled Jacob the Shazer Forgive Your Enemies by Janet and Jeff Binge join me next time for chapter 3 Secret Mission